Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. And I thought, why not do like a bit of a, a, bit of a New Year's type message? I'm probably the first pastor in history to come up with this idea, to do a New Year's type resolution message at the start of the year. But I, I love this time of year because this time of year is just so hopeful. It's just so full of expectation, and it's so filled with, this year's going to be different, and we have this completely illogical mindset, which says that no matter what rubbish was going on in my life, no matter what circumstances were conspiring against me, for some reason, the universe just knows you're not allowed to go past the 31st of December, because that's just not allowed. So we get up on the 1st of January, and we're like, new year, new stuff, new things. And so we make these things called New Year's resolutions, and the statistics around people that keep their New Year's resolutions is horrible, right? It's like 90% of people will break their New Year's resolutions in the first couple of weeks. And the problem is that people are too ambitious, right? You've got to think small with New Year's resolutions. You've got to think smart, like, what can I keep? So one of my New Year's resolutions this year is to not smoke. Now, you might say, I didn't know you smoked. I don't. <laughs> but I reckon I'll keep it. <laughs> so at the end of the year, I'll be like, yeah, nailed that New Year's resolution. Thinking another one might be, uh, another New Year's resolution was not to wake up in the morning with a hangover. You say, Josh, I didn't know you drank. I don't. <laughs> Probably nailed that sucker as well. Right? Uh, in all seriousness, I do have uh, a serious resolution, and again, I'm probably the first person to come up with this, but I decided to try and be healthy in 2020. Like, I, I understand there's all different shapes and sizes, right? We're all made different, but in every shape and size, there's a healthy version of that shape and size, and there's an unhealthy version of that shape and size. And uh, I'm not saying it's your fault, I am just saying that I've put on a kilo a month since I started pastoring here. <laughs> right? And I was already an unhealthy shape and size when I started. So I've made that resolution, but one of the things I realized, because it's not the first time I've made a resolution to get healthy at the start of the year, uh, but it's a terrible resolution to make because when you make it, you're literally surrounded by like 46 kilos of chocolate, right? Because you've just got all this Christmas stuff. So I make my New Year's resolutions, but I post-date them to like two weeks away. So I made a New Year's resolution, I'm going to get healthy, but it starts tomorrow. It actually started on Monday, and I broke it, so I post-dated it again to another Monday. I was down here working so much, right? And, and it's hard to... I'm not used to organizing meals, and Kara did a fantastic job of organizing meals, but, man, there's only so many sausages you can eat, right, before you're just like, ah, and, like, filled rolls. So we mixed up, we got some pizza in, and we got, I got Burger King one night with a couple of the guys, because we were down here, often we were down here at night till, well, there's at least on two occasions we were here till after midnight, but most nights were sort of 10, 30, 11 p.m., um, and so I just didn't eat very well. And then I was getting tired, so when you're tired, you just sugar, right? So, yeah, chocolate and things. So anyway, I need a couch to lie down on after all those confessions. But I'm starting tomorrow is what I'm saying. But New Year's resolutions, they're great. I mean, I love some of these. This is Brianna's resolution. She says, it's an old one, but she says, in 2016, my resolution is to not wig out like I'm seeing the Loch Ness Monster whenever I see a bug. My New Year's resolution after reading that is to start using the phrase wig out a lot more because I like that one. Uh, Joey says, my New Year's resolution is to not eat as much sugar, but I'll probably won't keep it. 
I like Joey, he's a realist. I can really, how many people have made a news resolution and then in fine print gone, I'm not keeping this resolution. You know, like, I'm saying it, sounds good, made me feel positive for a month, but there's no way this is lasting. And I like Hadassah, I'm going to stop picking my nose, it is going to be hard. <laughs> Again, realist, like kids are realistic, right? And then we bowl in with all these resolutions and, well, I was thinking about New Year's resolutions, I was like, what would be cool, right? Because I'm a really big fan of work smarter, not harder. I like, like, what's the, what's the best return that I can get for the least amount of effort? Uh, I used to get teased when I was a kid uh, because I was quote-unquote lazy. Uh, although then I read, uh, it's because I would do things like I would, when I was seven, I would pay my sister 20 cents to clean my room. And then I would just sit on the bed and watch her do it. Like, that's kind of weird. Um, but I read a quote the other day from Bill Gates. He's done all right for himself. And he said, if you want something done then ask a lazy person to do it because they'll work out a more efficient way of doing it. And I realise it's only bad to be lazy if you're dumb. But you know, if, you're, if you've got a little bit of brains, then laziness can kind of work in your favour. So I'm always going like, okay, how can I maximise this? And so I'm thinking like this time of year, like if we're going to make a New Year's resolution, if we're going to commit to changing an area of our life or adopting a new lifestyle or whatever it might be, what's the best bang for buck? Like what's the best return that we can get? We were at Dre and Hannah's church last Sunday out at Cornerstone, and you guys were praying for a couple that were moving overseas to Melbourne or something like that. And Hannah uh, had this Bible verse that she read out, and it was Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And it's just been rolling around in my head all week because the more I think about it, the more I think that's a pretty sweet deal. That's a pretty good return on investment. Essentially what he's saying is, hey, if you just do this one thing, if you just change this one area of your life, if you just maybe make a few adjustments in this one area, then I can see based on that scripture, not one, not two, not three, but four different positive outcomes from this one change. So one of them is he says, you'll walk and not be faint. Another one is you'll run and not grow weary. Another one is that you'll soar on wings like eagles. And then the fourth one is that you will renew your strength. So I thought this morning, let's just have a look at these four outcomes. And then I'll leave it to you to decide whether or not you think making a, a twig in your lifestyle or an adjustment in how you prioritize things is worthwhile based on what Isaiah says here. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. So the first one, I'm going to work backwards because if I were writing this, like I like writing, I like crafting things with words, and Isaiah's got it all back to front, because if you wanted to build suspense, you start with the small thing first, and then you work your way up to the top. So you'd say, if you do this, and you can walk and not be faint, you can run and not grow weary, you can even fly. Like, that's how I would do it, but he does it the other way around. So I'm going to start at the end, and then we'll work our way back up to the top. So the first one is, if you do this one thing that Isaiah talks about, then you will walk and not be faint. That word faint is a Hebrew word, and it means to be fatigued, to be or to grow weary. It literally means to be tired. Who gets tired? Like uh, the irony of me preaching this message this morning after the last two weeks that I have it is not lost on me. Normally, I get up in the morning, I go for a walk down my road, and I have a pray and stuff. I got about five minutes down the road, I was like, I'm too tired for this. I went and sat in the car, and then prayed in the car, because I didn't have to move around. But 
He says, if you do this one thing, you will not get fatigued, you will not grow weary. And the thing is, when you're tired, you're just not at your best. And I don't think sometimes we appreciate how dangerous tiredness can be, how dangerous fatigue can be. I think sometimes in 2020 and in this modern age that we live in, we're just so used to being tired, we've forgotten what it's like to not be tired. We're so used to just running here, there, and everywhere and operating with this just general fog in our life that we don't even stop and think, actually, it shouldn't be like this. It's like when you open the microwave and there's a bottle of milk in there. How did that get in there? You know what? You put it in there when you were tired, right? Because your brain stops working. I mean, look at some of these guys. Who spelt fire F-R-I-E? That guy was tired. But not as tired as the guy who said that shop's open nine days a week. Like, what the heck's going on there? This is my favorite one. McNold's McDo. Like, how? I, how? How? Like, what do they, they put it up and went, oh, man. I, I want to start a restaurant now and call it Nold's McDo. I just think Nold's McDo is a great name for a restaurant, right? These guys are tired. Oh, the irony about spelling school wrong. You know, we do dumb things when we're tired, and you can laugh about it, and you can go, oh, yeah, yeah, we're tired, we do dumb things, but there's a serious side to being tired as well. And the truth is that fatigue can cause weariness, sleepiness, irritability, uh, reduced alertness, impaired decision-making, lack of motivation, concentration and memory. And there's been a huge bunch of studies that have been done around the effects of fatigue and tiredness. And it's scary, man. Like They've shown that uh, fatigue is linked to health problems like heart disease, stomach and digestive problems, reproductive problems, depression, sleep disorders, poor eating habits, obesity, you know, worsening of... Like, the list goes on and on and on. Getting tired and being fatigued is a really big deal. So how many people would be excited about going, you know, I can make this adjustment, and one of the benefits of this adjustment that I make is that I don't get fatigued to nearly the same extent. I don't get tired the way that I used to. I get all of the associated health benefits from not being tired and not being fatigued. Does that sound like something you'd want to sign up for? Let me see a hand. Yeah, it would. I would. I'm like, how do I get that? That's a pretty sweet deal all on its own. But Isaiah goes on, he says, not only will you walk and not get tired, and that walk, it just means, it just means forward progress, right? You're just, you're just making steady, steady, solid forward progress, and it's not stressing you out, it's not tiring you out, it's not fatiguing you, you've got energy, you've got enthusiasm, you've got motivation, you're excited about life, that is one of the outcomes that you will get if you make this one change if you do this one thing. But the next one on the list, he says, is not only that, but you will run and not grow weary. You say, well, how is that any different to what you just said? Like literally one of the definitions of faint was to be weary, but this is a different Hebrew word. And this Hebrew word means to toil or to labor. So what, what he's actually saying here, and he stepped it up from walking to running, so what Isaiah is saying, if you change the way that you do this one thing, if you bring this thing into your life, then you're going to have the ability to accelerate your growth, to move faster, to see more done, to achieve more, and at the same time, it's easier. There's less labor, there's less toil involved. You know, and I think I'm possibly even speaking prophetically this morning, when I say there are people in this room, I believe that you are going to see more achieved in your life in the next 12 months in 2020 than you have in the last five or 10 years combined. 
and it's going to come with an ease. Who would like to sign up for that? Hands up all over the room, right? Less toil, less labor. Uh, when God touches something, it just is so much easier than when you're trying to make it happen yourself. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, we were running a little bit short on cash, like real short, and uh, like so short that, uh, short on cash. And I remember walking in the rain around Northwood because I owned my own business, a trade-based business, and I was putting flyers in people's letterboxes, and they were like, no circulars. I was like, well, mine are rectangle, chucking them in. Uh, <laughs> so that was how I justified that, because you'd, you'd be amazed. Like, I never got a single call from someone saying, don't put it in my mailbox, but I got a lot of calls from people saying, come do a job. So that's, there you go. And it was raining, and it was drizzling, and I was like, this is just like hard work, man. And I got home and I had a prayer and I was like, God, I need, I need some money. Like some money would be really helpful. And like the next day, I get this message on Facebook from a lady that I don't know. I didn't know how we're friends. Like I must have just been like, accept, accept, accept one day and she snuck in there. And it just said, hi, Josh. Uh, she's like a middle-aged woman. Hi, Josh. I've got something you might be interested in. Call me. Here's my number. I'm like, that's, that's weird. It's not the sort of thing I'd normally do, but I felt like God was like, it's, it's cool, give her a call. All right, I gave her a call. And she says, look, you don't know me. I said, I know, I don't know you. <laughs> she said, my name's uh, Kelly. And she said, I own a modeling agency. <laughs> I said, really? She goes, are you interested in doing a bit, a bit of modeling? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I said, I said <clears throat> what are you after? <laughs> she goes, well... Uh, she says, we're shooting a TV commercial for uh, China uh, to advertise like some organic kiwi milk, and we need a, a family. I've got the wife, and I've got the two kids. I just need like a middle-aged, slightly overweight dad. <laughs> and she said, I was just scrolling through Facebook, and I saw your photo. I'm like, that's the guy. Which is, you know, tough pill to swallow because the photo that she saw was like from the neck up. So I don't know how she <laughs> picked that. But uh, she says, are you interested? And I'm like, well, what do I have to do? She says, just got to come to our house in Rolleston where we're filming it. And you just got to sit at the table outside and just pour milk in a glass for an hour and a half. And I said, all right, I'll do that. And like, you guys laugh, it's a funny story. But I said, how, how much do you get paid? She goes, I'll give you $1,000. I got paid $1,000. And I get to tell everyone forever that I am a professional model. Because <laughs> that is the definition of profession, if you get paid to do what you do. So next time you invite someone to church, you can be like, come here, my pastor. Oh, FYI, he's a professional model. Just if that helps sweeten the deal. Just let me know you've done it, and I'll go to the gym before I come down. You know, so, but there's an ease that comes when God's just like, here you go. You know, and the truth is that I, I earned more money in like an hour and a half. I had to drive to Rolleston, it's ages away. But I earned more money in an hour and a half than in like a week, like crawling around on my hands and knees doing stuff. You know, there's an ease that comes. And so Isaiah says, hey, you can run. You can achieve more with like a lot less energy and a lot less effort. But it gets even better because the next thing that he says is that you get to soar on wings like eagles. This is such a weird phrase. Well, you read it and you go, oh, it's just, it's just Isaiah being a poetic. Still a weird thing to say. Like you've got walking, you've got running, and then you've got like soaring on wings like eagles. Like he doesn't say you'll fly, 
That's what I would have done. I would have said, you can, run, you, know, you can walk and not do this, you can run and not do this, and you can fly and not do that. He says, no, you soar on wings like eagles. What does that mean? It's really interesting. You look up that phrase, wings like eagles, or riding on wings like eagles, and the first time it's ever used in the Bible, it's used in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, and it's God talking, and he says to the Israelites, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and look at this, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. What Isaiah is saying here, I believe, is that you will have an access to the presence of God that you did not have before. That God is literally going to pick you up and bring you into his presence as if you were flying in on the back of a bird. How many people would like that in 2020? Like, who, who, like let's be real, like who... You know, I was, did New Year's Eve with a bunch of friends, there was about six or seven of us, um, all kind of, you know, our age, kids running around, and we kind of went around the circle, like, what do you want to do next year? And we're all, we're all Christians, we all go to church, different churches, and, and all of us just said, I just want, and Dre touched on this last Sunday, like, I just want to be more in love with God this year than I was last year. You know, I want to have a deeper relationship with God than I had Last year, I want to understand more of God than I understood last year. I just want, uh, there's something in us that's just hardwired to want to grow, to want to, you know, increase in intimacy. And the secret is in this verse. Because Isaiah says, if you do this one thing, then God will pick you up and he will bring you into himself on the backs of eagle's wings. That sounds like something that I would like on top of all the other things. And then the last one is he says, you'll renew your strength. Now, when we read that word renew, to us that kind of means like we get back what we had before. You know, like if you've got a subscription to Netflix and then your subscription expires, what do you have to do to get it back? You have to renew your subscription. And so that means that you get back what you lost. But the end result is that you are back where you were before. There's like no net gain. You've just mitigated the loss. But in the Hebrew, that word renew is a different word, and it means to grow up, to change, or to go on from. In other words, that word renew is not a restoration of what you had back to where you were before. It's not the ceiling of your strength. It's actually the floor. It is the base level. It is the minimum standard. What he's saying is that your strength is going to go on from this point. You will get stronger and stronger and stronger. It'll change. You will grow. And isn't that what we all said we wanted at the start of this year? So Isaiah says, hey, there's four things here. First of all, you're going to be able to move forward in life at a steady process or a steady progress. And you're not going to fatigue. You're not going to get tired. You're not going to have all those associated health problems and mental issues, and you're not going to stick milk in the microwave. And who's a parent in the room, right? Who honestly thinks that they are a better parent when they're tired, <laughs> right? We all know that when we get tired, we become <laughs> not great parents, <laughs> right? Or... Your kids just get brattier and brattier and brattier the more tired you get. And what about who's, who's got a partner? Who's married in this room? How many guys know that when you are tired, you do not, you're not your best husbandness self, right? Women, you're always perfect. I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> That's fine. But, you know, 
I, I want to live a life where I'm not tired or fatigued or you know, run down. I want to live a life where there's an ease that comes with it because I'm working with God and I'm running ahead and there's no toil and no labor because it's just, and that doesn't mean that we don't have to work hard. I'm a big believer in working hard. I mean, we had guys down here just working so hard to turn this building around. And I'm not going to go through and list everybody because I'll forget someone, but you know who you were. And I'm so, we get emotional, humbled by everyone that contributed people that gave financially, people that gave of their time. I was praying about it this morning, and I was like, God, I don't know how this all came together. Well, I do know, but it had nothing to do with me. I did more, I did more damage than good whenever I tried to pick something up. And then I had guys who had to come past me and fix it. So in the, in the end, they were like, can you please just stop helping Josh and just you know, run errands and buy us food, and that's fine. But... I remember where I was now. Um, I'm a believer in hard work. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to sell this idea that if you do this one thing, then you just cruise through life and everything's easy. But I'm saying there, there is an ease to it that you will notice that you might not have noticed before. But it doesn't mean it's not going to be easy. I guess, just let me clarify that point. You know, and then God's going to pull us into his presence and we're going to experience an intimacy and a, an ability to you know, connect with him at a deeper level than we ever have before. And then we're going to get stronger and stronger and grow and grow and change. And all we have to do is this one thing. That is a sweet deal. And of course, working our way back up to the top, that one thing, it's not a secret. He says, those who hope in the Lord. That's the NIV version. Those who hope in the Lord. If you look at the King James version, uh, look at that. Walk and not be faint. You can't see that. It's a bit green, but there you go. Those who hope in the Lord. The King James Version says those that wait upon the Lord, and it is a Hebrew word, kavar, and it means hope, and it means wait, and it means to be expectant, but there is one other definition which I love, and it means to bind together, to bind together. That's what Isaiah is saying, is that those who bind themselves together with God are going to see all these things happen. So last Sunday, we were at Cornerstone, and Dre made me get up and walk backwards around all these chairs, and I thought to myself, I'll get you back. <laughs> so Dre, jump up, and um, I could make it super awkward, but I won't. I'll get uh, Lyndon up as well. Come on, Lyndon. Now, I thought, again, I thought, come over here, Lyndon, you guys stand together. I thought about tying guys together, you know, like binding you together, but I thought that's not as embarrassing as this next idea. So I want you guys to... I want you guys to face each other and then embrace in a really big man hug. Right, now stop. Now you're bound together. Right, now I want you to... Can you, can you come walk, walk over here with me? Walk over here. Brilliant. Now, what this illustrated was that I can get Dre to do whatever I want. All right, you guys can sit down. <laughs> well, it's, take away the awkwardness of that. Take away the, you know, the stuttering walk. But you get the point, right, that when you are bound with someone, you can't go anywhere that they're not going. Yeah. And they can't go anywhere without you going with them. It, you're, you're so close together that you can't separate the two. In fact, one of the dictionary definitions of the word bind is literally putting two elements together until they become one. They use it in cooking, right? You get the flour, you get the eggs, and they say bind the eggs with the flour. And then once that's done, 
You can't separate them ever again. They're just one new sludgy thing, which doesn't taste good until your wife puts some sugar into it. Just FYI, don't dip a spoon in that stuff and eat it until the sugar's gone in. Right? So that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about binding ourselves with God. So let's make a commitment this year if you want to. If you're going to make a New Year's resolution, if you're going to think, okay, what can I do differently this year? What can I adjust in my life? What can I change about how I do things in 2020 to how I did it in 2019? Let's just focus on binding ourselves with God. And that can look like any number of things. So I'm going to get the band to jump up and we'll finish off with the song. But what I want you to do very quickly is I just want you to take a moment with the Holy Spirit. Take a moment with God and ask God, what is one thing that you want me to do this year that is going to help bind me to you? A couple of ideas. One could be praying more. I heard someone say once that no man or woman is greater than their prayer life. And that is uh, a challenging statement. But no man or woman is greater than their prayer life. If you were to look at your prayer life and then go, that is the ceiling on my capacity, the ceiling on my ability, the ceiling on my significance, the ceiling on what I will achieve with my life, the ceiling on how I will impact this planet and the generations to come is limited by my prayer life. Where do you sit? Another idea could be Bible reading. There is, this might come as a bit of a shock to guests or people from Cornerstone, but people from Activate know that I'm not too stressed about saying things that are like, there's no excuse for not knowing your Bible in the Western Hemisphere. There's There's just no excuse. There are parts in, of the world, different parts of the world, where uh, you, know, you have people that will have one Bible between a group this size, and they will have pages or chapters ripped out, and they use those chapters, they read those chapters, and they swap them around. We're not in one of those places. We're in a place where you can get a Bible, a physical Bible like that, and if you can't get a physical Bible, literally on your phone, there's a free Bible app with version after version after version after version. If you can't read, you can get it played to you. There's no excuse for the level of biblical illiteracy that we have in the church in the Western Hemisphere. No excuse. Read your Bibles. I need to read my Bible more. There's so much in the Bible about how reading the Bible can improve your life. The irony is you need to read it to learn it. Maybe it's just getting with people that you know are going to challenge you, cause you to grow, change the way you think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Maybe it's getting to church more often. Maybe you've been a once a month church person, once every three weeks. Once every, get to church every Sunday. Man, just do it. It's smart. Paul says, do not, you know, forego meeting together. He said that at a time where the church was under persecution and people were starting to meet in small groups in their homes. And he said, look, that's great. Do that. But don't stop coming together like this. There's a power and a unity that takes place when we come together like this and we lift up in one voice 
our worship to God. I shake my head sometimes. Probably shouldn't say this. I shake my head at Christians that will say, oh, we're taking Sunday morning for family time, but they're quite happy to give their whole Saturday to sport. Take Saturday for family time. Come to church. So let's just take a moment now. And I just want you to ask God, God, what is, what is one thing that you're asking me to do differently this year to help bind myself to you?